Welcome to Season 3 of Sacred Teachings. This season we are talking about dismantling racism. The murder of George Floyd in the United States has become a catalyst for change. Black Lives Matter is a rallying cry as people become aware every single day of the atrocities committed against black people, indigenous people, and other people of color. Racism, sad to say, is alive and well in Canada. In this episode, Sacred Teachings producer Lisa Barry interviews the Reverend Canon Laverne Jacobs, Ojibwe elder and much respected spiritual leader for Indigenous people. I have known and worked with Laverne Jacobs for over 30 years. For me, he's been a teacher, a mentor, and a dear friend. With his quiet strength and deep faith and courage, Laverne has helped shape history in the Anglican Church of Canada and the country. We are privileged to welcome Laverne to Sacred Teachings. Laverne, let's start at the beginning. You were born and raised at Walpole Island First Nations. Uh, I think you had a, a tough start in life. I was a preemie, so I, I was in hospital for a number of years. It had some um, developmental problems because of I don't, my limb system didn't develop. And that caused a lot of illness throughout the years. And also meant that I missed three years in school all over a period of time. And a lot of times I, I would spend the summers in bed or my mother would take me, put, uh, carry me out to the yard and put me on a blanket and I'd have books to read or whatever because I couldn't play with you know, the other kids. And, and I knew that if I got a scratch, I would start crying because I knew, okay, I'm going to be in bed for a number, number of days or weeks. And this happened almost year after year. So because of that, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time reading, uh, couldn't do what other kids did couldn't play sports, uh, and you know, I just, just had to make life do with what I had. Hearing your early story certainly helps us to understand where your incredible patience and compassion come from. How did your parents help you with your challenges? Both my parents prepared us to live in a white world. They would subscribe to children's magazines like Humpty Digest or Children's Digest. And so we learned to read. And I remember um, we were transferred from, uh, I think it was about grade six level into Wallaceburg to go to, to the schools and public schools in Wallaceburg. And the first day that we got there, we, the teacher gave us a test in English. I got a perfect paper in it. And the other kids, were stunned that I would do, you know, I could do this. But they didn't know that. We didn't have the right books in, uh, on the island. So we used this uh, one grade up. So I had all, I've been through it and had, had all the answers. But I, I learned to function in, in a world that was not my own and to be good at it. <laughs> 
The world that was not your own was a white world. How were you treated as Indigenous children? There was a fair bit of racism. He, I mean, I, I, I should maybe fair is pretty mildly, but, and the children from Alpalan was hanging out by themselves. And uh, in my class, there were three of us that were sort of at the top of the class. We got along quite well. And then one week or one day there was a, I think, I think it was a stabbing or something that took place in Walpole Island. And I came to, got, got to school and again joined my friends. And then one of them was, he just threw out those damn Indians. And then he looked at me and realized, but I'm one of them. You know, he didn't didn't know he didn't know what to do then. But there was a lot of, you know, I think the people from Walpole, uh, the students from Walpole, felt that. My sister, for instance, wouldn't go to school for quite a while because the teacher, in her terms, and I'm, I'm sure it was true, was quite racist and picked on the Indian kids. So she refused to to go to school. And the Indian agent at the time, in those days, the Indian agent was, had an awful lot of power. They were the truant officer, the police officer, you, you name it. They had control of everything. So he had my father hauled into court. The result of it was he spent a, a night in jail. My sister was taken to a, a reform school, and we didn't see her for no, until she was in high school, or after, finished high school. Uh, and that caused a lot of pain. And I know my parents were concerned about her and missed her, and, but it also did a lot of emotional interior damage to her. You know, she, she doesn't like white people. Uh, she, so she struggles with that. But it's very bright. I mean, she went to university, was able to get a BA in sociology, and but at a pretty heavy cost. And so she struggles with that. Uh, but at that time, I mean, you you just you deal with it. So at at about the time your sister returned home, you had heard a strong call to the priesthood. After theological studies and your consecration as an Anglican priest, were you planning to return to Walpole Island, Laverne? I wanted to get as far away from Walpole Island as, as possible because I, I was just tired and hurt with all the, the social problems that I, that I saw, the racism and everything else, and I just wanted to get far away and run away. But God knows how to deal with you. You're running from something, you're going to put you right back, <laughs> you've got to deal with it. So I ended up back home on my first appointment. And boy, I was mad at God. <laughs> but it meant that I had to deal with what I was running from. And the rector is right on the St. Clair River, right up in the center of the community. Right across from the rectory was a bootlegger. You couldn't get much closer than what you're running from. And there wasn't time. 
I started the service at the, uh, at the Hamlet Church, and in walked these two guys. They were, well, I mean, they weren't feeling any pain at all. <laughs> and they came in. It came time for the communion. So they struggled up and got to the altar, and, and I'm thinking, they're okay. What do I do? You, you know, they're not they're totally out of it. They're not in any shape to, you know, should they be taking communion? This is the body and blood of Christ. And so I'm sending them a real quick prayer and asking, in a sense, and trying to figure out, okay, well, what, what would Jesus do? And it just came to me that Jesus, Jesus would not deny himself to them. So I gave them the bread and I gave them the wine. Well, they were there again the next week. The same thing. And this went on for a few weeks. And then towards, I don't know, a few weeks later on, this one of them was just sobbing his heart out at the altar. And uh, one of the choir, choir members went and just sat with him and kneeled and knelt with him. And I continued on with the service. But he was set free. He didn't drink after that. That's, you know, that's the power of God. That's the power of the community working together. And the power of your love and faith as well. Laverne, you have personally experienced racism in this church that you love. Do you remember when that began or when you became aware of that? This was when I was first ordained and going to, there was a diocesan synod in Huron. And all the congregations, they had been asked to do kind of a review and look back over the years and, and give a report. So there was all these glowing, glowing reports. There's no mention at all, at all of indigenous ministry, nothing from the, about the, the native communities. So I got up and went to the mic and pointed that out. And then during the break, someone came to me and said, you're really radical, aren't you? I mean, he was really angry. But unless you point out those situations, they're not going to know. They'll just go by, they think everything's fine. And then there was a time, I think it was that general synod, someone came up to me. He was really angry. He said, how long do we have to listen to this stuff? I mean, it was just, it seemed to never end. And then I can remember the time where the general sitting was in Newfoundland in the low level flying issue. You could cut the tension with a knife. It was really, really bad. And Shirley Harding and John Bird had a portfolio on residential schools. She was in tears and she was ready to quit. And I said, Dear Shirley, you're a bridge person. Bridge people get walked on. You know, that's that's part of that's part of the territory. You know, we're in it, we're gonna get we're gonna get creamed. <laughs> and so you just you just hang in there. You cry, you just you get up and go again. Not always easy, not always easy at all. <laughs> um, but sometimes you ask, how long is it gonna take? 
you know, because it, it, it still goes on. And it's just more subtle. Why? Why, why is it still going on, Laverne? What is our blind spot? Fear. If you say you're racist and you've got to deal with it and you've got to make some changes. People don't like change. And especially if you have to deal with issues of the heart. Of the heart. Uh, nobody likes heart surgery. <laughs> it's much easier just to go with status quo. Because it doesn't cost anything. Well, that's, that's their perception. <laughs> Do you have hope that things can change? God is a God of love, and God is not going to let it go down the drain. It may, be, it may take a while, it may take a lot of pain, but there is a God. Thank you, dear friend. Yeah, well, Laverne, for your compelling story of growing up on Walpole Island, a most beautiful, unceded spiritual land. As children, we were both sheltered from the pains of the outside world. We didn't know racism or realize our material poverty. We had many other riches, gifts from our Creator that kept us strong. We were both fortunate to have good parents and grandparents. Not everyone did. Good parents and grandparents teach us to walk a good path with a good mind. Many parents struggled with abusive behavior, a manifestation of racism, colonialism, and other injustices. But the pain of racism lingers on and on. We've been talking about it and seeing it at play since time immemorial. We are taunted with hateful words like, the only good Indian is the dead Indian, or go home to your reserve. People need to understand that racism hurts. It hurts our many people of color. It hurts our humanity. Racism is the abuse of power plus prejudice. And prejudice is defined as a dislike, a hostility, or unjust behavior that comes from preconceived and unfounded opinions. If we are to truly live in harmony and respect the dignity of every human being, we need to, in the words of a Choctaw grandma, name it, claim it, and tame it. Don't let fear stop the change of heart. Thank you for listening to Season 3 of Sacred Teachings. Get new episodes every Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Mimeo, and Podbean. Follow us on Instagram at Canadian Anglican and check out our previous episodes on all platforms. Subscribe to the show so you don't miss out. And please spread the word. See you next time.